0: This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week.
1: Colin Holmes' marketing journey started at a local level, and today he's still working locally, but at a much greater scale. Colin is the CEO of Chatmeter, which offers an all-in-one SEO platform to help local businesses succeed in building brand recognition and engaging with customers quickly and efficiently. When you think SEO, you probably think about keywords. And when you think customer engagement, you probably think about social media or Yelp reviews, but it's so much more than that. And when you do it correctly at the local level, there is a world of opportunity available to you. Colin explains all of that and more on this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.
0: Here is your
2: host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. and We are joined by special guest, Colin, what's going on?
3: Hey, uh, Ian, uh, great to chat with you today.
2: Yeah, excited to have you on. Um, talk about local advertising. Local, would you say that you are the location expert? I, I know the website says that, but <laughs> I, I I love the positioning. So, um, well, I guess we'll we'll get into all of that and uh, and your background um, building this company. But first, how did you get started in marketing?
3: Uh, yeah, that's an interesting, somewhat interesting story. I, uh, but if I go back, I've been in marketing my whole career, but if I go back to my college days, I was actually, uh, studying photography early on. Uh, I was a photographer, got interested in advertising. And so I thought maybe I would be some sort of, uh, advertising photographer and I should go get a job somewhere. Uh, and try to figure out if this is you know something this field I want to be interested in. Um, so I ended up actually getting a job back at Glamour Shots, if you remember that chain, um, which uh, was that's a, so funny. <laughs> which uh, was a pretty uh, you know uh, certainly dating myself, but yeah, this goes back probably twenty years or so. And so we started up as a photographer there. Uh, got actually promoted to a store manager. Uh, as a store manager, you actually run the entire store. You're responsible for the profit and loss and you actually get paid out of the profits of the company. It was a franchise business. And so, uh, you know, I was responsible for the marketing of the store as well that drive traffic into our store. And so essentially, uh, it was that opportunity that really took me from a photographer to a business major shifted to business and really found an interest in uh, in marketing and you know it 's this little ironic that i 'm working with local store owners today
2: uh, in a similar fashion you know it 's funny the photography stuff I feel like it 's one of those like small things that you hear occasionally and pay huge dividends in marketing down the road because like the importance of like photography and videography, and getting a shot and figuring out a storyline and all that stuff is like so elemental to marketing. Um, it's really funny to to hear like people who have had any uh, like experience in those kind of fields. You always have like a different, pardon the pun here, framing on right. how to you know create a problem.
3: Well, yeah, I mean it's a different. I mean you're often kind of uh, standing back and looking at the world in different ways. And that's really a lot about about what marketing is, right? And trying to better understand how you can position something and how you can uh, get it in front of the right customer. So it's it's interesting you mentioned that. It's just that idea of being able to kind of step back and looking at something in a different way than most people see it. Yeah, totally.
2: Um, So flash forward to today. Tell me about what you have built at Chatmeter.
3: Today, we have a really exciting company that provides uh, local products and services for uh, customers that have physical locations, essentially helping them um, with local SEOs. So how do I get more customers into my locations, as well as um, helping with the engagement with your customers through social media and uh, social publishing. We also offer things like listing management, which helps them uh, improve how uh, the accuracy of their listings as well as how they uh, appear to customers. So you're, you, know, you provide great uh, photos of your experiences at the business, giving people an expectation of you know, what their experience is going to be like at that uh, individual location. Um, and we also offer things like store pages and store locators on your website. And so really the entire product offering is designed around helping you uh, not only engage with customers, but it's acquire new customers and engage with customers throughout really the entire customer lifecycle, specifically designed for uh, businesses that have physical locations. So it is that, and it's really a broad base across um, large chains and um, you know regional chains, and we also address everything down to the small business owner through uh, some of our kind of reseller channel and our reseller partnerships um, that even open up the service to uh, the SMB level.
2: Yeah, we're going to get into way into like local SEO and how local is changing in general, and and what that means in a little bit. I, I do want to say though, just from a company perspective. You know, you've won a bunch of awards, uh, you know, from like, you know, Inc 5000 and, you know, Top Places to Work and Entrepreneur and, and G2 Crowd. So um, I'm curious, just like from a company perspective and the types of customers that you're working with and kind of the culture that you've that you've built. Um, it seems like things are going pretty well. I mean, you know, aside from the you know global <laughs> pandemic that is uh, obviously challenging in a million ways. Yeah, but um,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on that too. But yeah, I um, I kind of pivoted your, your question toward what we do and uh, probably didn't answer directly about the business itself. So just to give you a little sense of you know how we got to where we are and and what we have today. I mean, it really has been. Uh, you know, but I'm a big believer in bootstrapping the business. And so, uh, really bootstrapped it from the very beginning about 10 years ago, uh, did very little, uh, funding, put my own money in and then, you know, did some friends and family rounds and angel rounds. And we did some small, uh, we did a small series a back in 2015, 2016, but the company has always just been very, very nimble and been able to react to the market very quickly um, over the last four to five years, I think we've been very successful at, um, separating ourselves from the competition, regardless of our size. So, uh, I have a lot of competitors that went out and raised, you know, 30, $40 million. Uh, we've raised less than 5 million to date and the company is typically winning 70% of deals against competitors. So I'm incredibly proud of those, uh, that you know, what we've done on such little resources. We have about, uh, we've grown to about a hundred employees. Now, uh, we have a great culture. Everybody loves coming to work every day. Uh, and we were going to work. That is everybody is working from home right now. Um, but I think we've built a really great culture in which, you know, people see that idea of bootstrapping and recognizing we are up against some big competitors. Um, but we all want to win. And so we all work hard. Um, but we, you know, we work hard and play hard too, and make sure we celebrate our, uh, our victories and, and make sure we have fun along the way. So what are the types of companies that you all are
2: working with? You mentioned that it's anyone who has, you know, local places, but like, what are some examples? Sure.
3: Yeah. So industries we serve are everything from automotive, which could be automotive dealers or automotive repair. You've got, um, the real estate space, which could include multifamily, uh, apartment space, uh, agents. Um, of course the, the obvious ones like retail and restaurants. Uh, and now over the last probably 12 to 24 months, we really started to see healthcare emerging as a big opportunity as well. And I mean, and then you know, you got of course fitness, retail, traditional retail. uh, You've got um, traditional banks uh, as well. There's a lot we're doing actually in the finance space with uh, agents. Uh, I mean, it really is uh, runs the gamut uh, in terms of types of businesses. And so what is kind of the
2: typical engagement look, look like, like what's the before and after scenario for, for somebody, what's the problem they're coming to you with?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the scenario, whether, uh, they're, they're typically doing anything in local today or not. I mean, if you go to a, probably an enterprise level brand, you're seeing, uh, they've all, they've likely already started uh, purchasing services around what, what I was calling listing management before or cleaning up your business listings, making sure those are accurate across the web. That's a big part of the uh, signal for Google and the local SEO side. Um, m- many of them have not implemented anything around uh, review management. uh public you know, oftentimes that's either one, they're just, you know, in some cases they were just hoping it would go away, uh, which clearly it didn't ever happen. Uh, sometimes they're concerned about resource allocation. You know, if they're getting uh, hundreds of reviews every day, how do I respond? How do I uh, manage that? Is it a full-time job? Those types of things, which, you know, without a platform it is virtually impossible because you can't open up, you know, Google and Yelp and Facebook and all these different sites on a daily basis. Um, so it is our tool that helps kind of address some of those challenges there. So in many cases, uh, you know, there's just implementing a solution. and um, so we typically would, you know, go through a pretty standard sales process, uh, give them a demo of the platform, negotiate, bring them on board. We have a great onboarding experience with our customers, uh, get them trained up. It just depends on you know, how they want to implement their solutions. Sometimes they do it all at the corporate office. Other times they may have regional managers that are kind of logging in and helping, uh, or sometimes they even have the uh, location managers themselves, whether it's, a, again, a store manager or property manager uh, that are helping handle some of the responses uh, as well. So it just really depends on their type of implementation, their strategy, and, of course, we have... A uh, great customer success team that helps them along the way, and you know, for ongoing trainings, any assistance of features and functionalities, um, we really have a phenomenal support team. That's one of the things our customers love about us. Uh, and that shows in our MPS score. We have about a we have an MPS score of about 76, which is uh, pretty unheard of in the SaaS space as well. Yeah. So I was I was going to say, it seems like you are
2: the ultimate, you know, drink your own brew kind of a company because your, you know, your footprint, your, your response footprint is extremely significant. And obviously like, you know, that's the product. So or that's part of the product. So that makes sense. You know, for our listeners who are kind of thinking the same sort of thing that you mentioned earlier, where it's like, I just don't have time to do you know, all of this, you know, back and forth with all these people online. And it's this extremely difficult challenge. And it's something that I struggle with every day. I mean, it seems to me that this, you know, quote unquote, public response, this brand reputation that's public facing now is just part of the ultimate customer success function now, right? Like you have to have a, you know, significant amount of effort, energy, and resources behind customer success and behind you know these public-facing platforms that there are so many that are rating and reviewing or commenting, um, whether from social or otherwise?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly it. The expectation the consumer has changed today. So they expect when they post content online, they expect a response. They're not just... They uh, are looking for you to engage. And if they don't, in some cases that even results in, uh, them going somewhere else. So, uh, we have some, I'm probably going to misquote this stat, but you know, not responding to reviews may result in like a, I think it was like 10 or 15% uh, increase in churn, for example. So the expectation is you, uh, you know, uh, are going to, you should be listening to your customers. Uh, you know, and it's pretty mind blowing when we just actually put out a retail report uh, about I don't know, six months ago, you can find it on our website that uh, looked at like the top 15 retailers and the response rate is about, um, it was right around 1% on the reviews. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty mind blowing, but uh, the thing that I think people are not, you know, because they haven't really taken a chance, taken the time to understand, you know, how these tools can benefit you. You know, we work with some of the largest retailers in the world and it's not like it takes 50 people to respond because there's a lot of tools and functionality that help you respond efficiently. You know, you, you can essentially set up templates, for example. So, you know, there's only so many varieties of things that people are going to talk about, both on a positive and a negative level. So by setting up templates, you can help your team quickly just read a review and then uh, select the template. It's already approved by marketing or by corporate. And so that can really help create a ton of efficiency uh, and, have to, and reduce the amount of like repro- approval, f- approval processes that are going back and forth. So from that perspective, a lot of this can get done very efficiently and it reduces you know, stress on the system. Uh, by having one of these corporate-approved templates, uh, certainly. And there's cases where you need to escalate things and pull the conversation offline in a negative scenario. Um, and but of course, you have templates built for that as well. And there's also this fine line between
2: automation versus you know authentic a human responding to you too. Yeah, right? It's yeah. like it's not just you. You can't just be kind of the tone deaf, like, I'm just going to throw bots at every single problem and then, you know, solve it away. It's like, you have to have an, and that's part of the thing is like, you have to have an approach. Like you have to, you know, figure this out. I'm curious, like, who are the people who work at these companies? What's their job title that are managing this sort of thing? Like, this was something that I think, you know, I remember it was like five years ago where, the rise of like social media manager became like a huge, it's like one of the most sought after positions because nobody knew what the heck they were doing. And what that ended up being was like the person who posts on social, which is the exact opposite of what was needed. It was a person who responds on social, right? Um, So yeah, I'm curious, like who who are the people who are implementing this at the front lines?
3: We have a number of personas that we got to work with. Um, The one that are actually... Managing that, the personas we created, I'll just name them off. Avery Admin, Miguel Manager, Elizabeth Executive, Rodney Reseller, and Adam Agency. Obviously, those last two are part of our kind of uh, reseller channel. You know, Avery Admin is probably the one you're thinking about, which is that social media manager who may be uh, doing this at the corporate office. Um, And then Miguel Manager is typically either a uh, regional manager or store manager that is, um, that is helping. Um, because in a lot of cases, even if they're not responding, Avery may reach out to Miguel and be like, Hey, what happened here? What's the issue? You know, they may, they, there are cases that they need to kind of research, uh, what happened because of course they're holding this manager's accountable for the customer experience. And then Elizabeth executive is obviously the typically or Uh, VP marketing, your CMO, someone that's kind of making the decision on, you know, tools and services they're buying. And then they're utilizing our data, as I mentioned, um, around, you know, taking that to their board and and saying this is how we're improving our reputation online, driving, you know, customers into our locations. Uh, We also have a lot of our data that's shared with their operations teams. So the operations team can understand you know which locations are giving a good experience and which ones need improvement. So there's a lot of CX really going kind to of built into the platform as well. It seems to me that so many
2: companies are trying to figure out how to tackle this problem, and it's uh, for the enterprise. It's very multifaceted because you have to work with, like you said, like PR and the brand side of things. Of like who is who is tweeting us at our corporate account, which is like oftentimes a bunch of different reasons but then you have things like you know whether it's a g2 crowd or you know at your review site du jour that is actually responding to you to your customer or like your customers and prospects are are commenting and responding which is a different kind of level of sophistication potentially um than people who kind of just need to be responded to like you might need some more thought input into that like how, how are you seeing that people manage kind of the the dichotomy there
3: you know, you just put whatever hat on, uh, you need depending on what site you're responding to. Cause I do think certainly the content on Twitter is very different than the content on a, you know, Google maps listing or Yelp reviews. Those are, you know, very local customer experiences at the very local level. Um, you look at Facebook and you've got, it actually intermingles both. Right. So you've got your Facebook corporate page and those may be Uh, you know, more about the business company itself or uh, different things going on from more of a PR perspective. And then you have uh, location pages for all of your locations on Facebook as well, which may be more reviews and more specific toward those individual experiences. So that's more about, you know, the, um, the training and education that you would give to that Avery admin. And in terms of what their different responses are going to be for different types of content, so let's get into the local piece.
2: Um, this is something that some of our listeners, you know, might have experience with; uh, others might not. In terms of having actual physical stores, because we we skew tech and enterprise on B two B on the show, um, but it's a really fascinating kind of time in our lives where you have this proliferation of all of these like local. Things like we talked about with Google and, and Apple and Yelp and whatnot, um, you know, hyper local is like more important than ever. And if you're a local business and you don't have a local strategy, um, you know, you're you're probably in trouble. So I'm curious, like, just what are the trends in, you know, h- how important being local is? Why is it so important? And and some of the just broad sweeping things that you've seen over the past, you know, 10 years.
3: Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, if you go back to when I started this company, um, the iPhone actually had just come out. So it was about 2009 when I started. The first iPhone was I think 2008, 2009, you know, recognized and and my background actually has been my, my local search background, by the way, goes back about 15 years. my prior startup was pioneering local search back on flip phones and so uh, recognize when, you know, finally smartphones come out and, and the iPhone, there's, there's going to be a shift in how consumers are finding local businesses. And this is going to become essentially a new marketing channel um, because people are going to have access to this information, you know, uh, while they're on the go, right? And they are already out shopping and you need to go to the next place and find the next place and find the restaurant. You're going to eat lunch at blah, blah, blah. And so I recognized that it was going to be a big shift and change and adoption. Uh, unfortunately, it took a lot longer <laughs> than I was anticipating. Uh, I was definitely early in the market because, you know, it probably took three to four years for people to buy different versions of smartphones and smartphones really proliferate out in the U S. And then of course, you've got to wait a couple of years for marketers to realize how much adoption is going on and then start to focus on resources. So, uh, certainly, that took some time, uh, which is why another reason why you know I think we struggled for the first years bootstrapping. But as I mentioned, the last you know four or five years it really have skyrocketed, um, and so it really has been that you know just adoption of mobile technology in general that's led to our space, and you know the uh, recognition that reviews were going to have a big impact for that decision-making process along the way. So it wasn't just, you know, about who's in the number one position on local, you're going to probably dig into 10 or 50, you know, maybe 10, 12 different businesses. That's very different than a Google search, right? Google search, you typically look at the top three. Sometimes usually now you just click on the first one. Um, it's a different user behavior, different environment. People want to go and look at reviews. They want to look at pictures do want to get a decent understanding of that business before they decide they're even going to step foot in that place. And so there's a little more on of homework and research that happens. And we start to see that, you know, evolve a little bit, mostly from a, I'd say a little bit of consolidation. So, you know, you don't see Foursquare there anymore. You don't see really yellow pages there anymore. The large focus now has been on Google, Facebook, Apple, uh, as you mentioned, and so, uh, and of course, Yelp. Um, those are really kind of the, the go-to for, I would say, regular search activity. And then uh, if you're looking for a hotel, you've, you know, open up your TripAdvisor app. If uh, you want to book a restaurant, you might be go into an open table, for example. So in some of the different industries we serve, there are some different, co- you know, uh, content providers and partners we've established to make sure that we fully serve all of local. Um, But those are probably some of the um, trends and shifts that have happened in the market over the last 10 years. And I think the other thing I'll mention is, you know, what's really starting to happen now is a shift of how you're delivering that information to both consumers and to the search engines. So with things like the rise in voice search, for example, Um, you know, the search queries are very different that we're seeing. So in the past in local, you may just type in coffee near me. Um, but since voice is so much easier, I may be asking, uh, either Google or Siri, you know, where's the best place for a soy milk, vanilla latte downtown, And it's a very complex query and takes a lot of things into into consideration and so Google needs to be fed a lot of data for them to figure out okay which coffee shops have a soy milk vanilla latte right you know you get the idea and so you have to then start to tag your website uh, and tag your menu items and things like that in a way so that Google has a good sense of what your offerings are so that they can help you know or you can help yourself essentially push toward that number one position, that number one results uh, within both voice. And then as we're starting to see, uh, as people talk about position zero, which are the snippets that are being answered on Google itself. So, uh, you know, that voice search can be answered in one single result. And we're seeing, I think the latest stats are saying, 60% of the searches are resulting in answers that, you know, are not, you know, no one's even clicking because the answer's right there on the page. So we're working with our customers a lot on how they need to evolve and feed that content um, because consumers are, you know, making decisions and accessing information in very different ways than they used to. Yeah. The snippets
2: piece is, is absolutely wild. And like, even, you know, not only just the snippets piece, but just the amount of search results that are, that are sponsored now that Google allows is wild. like you see some where it's like, four ads and then a snippet. And you're like, goodness gracious. Like this is, you know, we're, th- this is like position seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're like, this is not, I, I forget who is someone was, um, someone was railing against it. I think it was Seth Godin was like railing against that the other day on, on Twitter or maybe his podcast or something where he's like, this is not equitable, <laughs> you know, like, you know, people spend all this work to be in a top position. And it's like, they're not even remotely close to to anywhere near, uh, you know, the the top.
3: Well, and it's not only that, it's certainly that Google over the years has, I think it's not hidden the ads, but, you know, blended the ads in so well that you can even tell the difference between an ad and a, uh, and a regular result now, organic results. Uh, I did a, I did a presentation and I don't know, it's was by a year or so ago, but, uh, grabbed, you know, all of the versions of, or maybe, I don't know, five different versions over the years of the Google search engine results page and how much those sponsored ads, you know, really just blended in and unfortunately duping many people into just clicking on those to drive ad revenue. And now, like you said, there's just so many in there that, uh, it's hard to, Find the you know the real result you're looking for. I mean, obviously, there, Google's trying to deliver some relevant result, but most of the, you know a lot of cases it's not, and that's just wasting people's time and resources. And you know, it certainly does open up an opportunity down the line for someone to start start to take some of that market share. Well,
2: and you know, as you kind of mentioned earlier, that when you have these hyper localized businesses you know, maybe it's something where it's, you know, a franchise or it's a number of local businesses, uh, or maybe it's something small, but the marketing efforts of those things to be, you know, it's so hyper local now that it's like, you know, if you need a, you know, a blank near you car care or whatever it is, um, there's just so much noise and cutting through that is really hard. And it kind of speaks to why it's so important back to the engagement piece, to be engaging with the customers that you do have or the people that are asking the questions, because you're spending so much money to try to get people in the door to your business and focusing on, you know, optimizing the engagement that you have with those people is more important than ever. Like that, that is what fuels, you know, word of mouth. And, you know, we've had a, a number of guests on the show talk about how, you know, word of mouth is is more important than ever, because you know, if you get someone that says, you know, something about your business, um, you know, publicly, you can, you know, expand and, and, and leverage that sort of uh, the user generated content for your benefit in a way that you had no opportunity to do that before.
3: Yeah. And you start to see that's also part of the decision making process. Like you stated, you know, uh, and consumers are looking to see if you're responding to reviews um if not they figure you don't care about your customers so i'm not going to go there anyways so
2: what are some you know a couple best practices that you've seen uh companies use to you know engage closer or to you know shorten the kind of you know buying decision time um when it comes to local or when it comes to to engagement
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think you can really shorten the buying decision time. It's typically, you know, that's the nice thing about the space I'm in. We are really at that last mile transaction, right? They're, they're looking to go buy a product or have a service. So it's pretty hard to, to shorten that piece. But, um, but no, i mean, in terms of engaging and that's really what, you know, we've seen with our customers, they are trying to respond within 24 hours. So a lot of cases they have, you know, uh, and this happens in some of our, with some of our reseller partners that are working with SMBs, for example, they have the SLAs to use our platform and respond to reviews within a 24 hour period. Uh, and so that's a pretty, that can be, you know, uh, a pretty tight SLA and important for, um, and it just shows the importance I should say, that people recognize around these reviews and these customer communications. Um, they customers, if they have a poor experience, they want to be heard. They want to, well, they want it to be addressed. Uh, it's not only that they're just trying to prevent other people from going there. In some cases they just want to understand if you're listening to them and you know, can help provide a solution to their problem because you know, someone at the local, uh, office or the location there wasn't able to solve the problem. So uh, in many cases, you know, the best practice there is uh, try to respond to all of your content and definitely and do it in a timely manner. And if there's a, if it is a limitation from a volume perspective, certainly try to address those negative reviews first. Uh, and we have a lot of tools and workflow procedures that helps them with that. So yeah. And for our listeners who don't know,
2: SLA service level agreement, are you talking about things that they have like contractually obligated to respond to customers? Or are you talking that this is a leadership decision to say, hey, this is a standard for our company
3: now? No, I mean, in some cases, yeah, they actually have a contracted uh, liability to respond within 24 hours. Yeah, that's wild.
2: (laughs) So, But then the other piece of that is like, Let's say you don't have that, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're whatever, uh, whatever company and you don't have any sort of SLM pl- SLA in place, but you as a leader, as a marketing leader, are like, hey, you know, we need to, we need to change our culture, change our brand reputation. We have a reputation that we don't care about our customers. Uh, we have a great product, but we're just not as responsive and we want to say, and we want to write this ship. Um, what, what does that thing look like? Like, what are you seeing from people that want to kind of take that, that stance and like, what do they have to implement to get there?
3: So, um, in terms of implementing, you know, what they need to implement to get there, typically that, you know, the process is figuring out, okay, what sort of resources am I going to need? How many reviews do I get on a daily basis? Uh what are those reviews looking like? You know, how many, like I was saying before, we can you can typically set up templates and so you may want to have you know a couple different two or three different templates for a single situation. You know, customer was complaining about waiting in line too long, right? And then you come up with two or three different templates, so at least you don't know, have the same response to each one uh of that. So you know, you're typically just marketing's writing some content and working with, you know, operations on that side to kind of figure a little bit of that out uh, and then determine who's going to be responsible for uh, reading and responding. And then also who is going to be in any sort of approval process. If they want to set one up sometimes Uh, they do want to have, you know, regional managers approve all negative reviews, for example. And, and again, if, tons of tools for all that stuff uh and yeah so it's essentially just figuring out that piece and then of course educating everyone uh that's going to be involved and then doing a kickoff call and, and uh then having the right reports and analytics to make sure stuff's happening so we have a whole analytics platform we built that uh measures people's like the response time so you can actually do create a report and understand, you know, uh, what percentage of reviews were responded to within 24 hours. So we have tons of, uh, analytics that we put together and reports that we put together for our customers. They can actually create any report on any piece of data in our platform, um, as part of our analytics studio offering. And so that allows them to better measure how they're doing, what progress they're making, uh, give those reports to management, uh, and improve along the way. So, um, you know, all of that, you know, it sounds like it's pretty time consuming, a lot of work, but typically, you know, when we sign up a customer, uh, we can onboard them within four or five days, they can be up and running within a couple of weeks. So we're not talking about a massive amount of work to, to get started. Uh, and at the end of the day, in a lot of cases too, customers, uh, you know, don't have the time and resources. So they can, they can actually um, contract with us um, for us to handle all of the response and responding. It's a product offering we have called ChatExec. And so um, with that product, we can just do all the responding on their behalf. And in many cases, it's a similar process. We set up templates. And then if there's certain things, keywords they want us to look for that would be escalated to them, uh, then we would escalate those accordingly. What are some of those keywords? <laughs> like terrible, horrible? No, I mean, <laughs> it, would it would be good, more like if day. there were sort of legal implications. Like we were talking a little bit about like the apartment space and multifamily. It could be someone that's violating, you know, um, you know, some policies that are, you know, uh, you know, have some sort of legal implications or typically stuff they want to get escalated. So what does the end state of this look like? I mean,
2: the, and the reason kind of why I'm prodding at this. And I think it's so fascinating is like, there's so much like organizational change and like mental shift that has to happen to say like, Hey, we're gonna, you know, new company policy, 2020 new year, everything is, you know, everybody's at home right now. We need to make a shift as an organization, you know, and prepare for in 2021, we're going to respond to every single thing that any customer or prospect ever writes online to us, like zero, zero defect, right? Like this is the new standard. And I'm just curious, like with the people that you work with, what, like, if they, if they kind of draw that line in the sand, yeah, it might be super painful for a year to get everything set up and like, um, you know, kind of distill that. But, you know, a year from that point, it's like, you know, I would imagine that your MPS would get a huge bump or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, however, other North Star metrics that you kind of track or, um, you know, revenue increase or just like, you know, word of mouth accelerant or, you know, testimonials or whatever it is would increase. It seems like it's, it's, it's obvious that that is the case, but I'm curious, like, what is, what do you see from that?
3: It's interesting the way you phrase that because I don't, you know, frankly, I don't think there's, the need to respond to every single piece of anything online, because if you look at things like, you know, social media, uh, Ooh, yeah. a lot of this content isn't, you know, Starbucks is great. Well, yeah, I don't think you need to respond to that. Right. I mean, there's uh, there's an element of understanding, you know, what stuff you need to respond to and, and what you don't because yeah, a lot of, uh, the content on traditional social media, it doesn't really need to be responded to. It, it's not really positive or negative. Um, uh, but there's certainly a lot of content there that you do need to respond to, and it will have an impact on your customer satisfaction level. Um, we know that that has an impact, certainly on the on the uh, product, review, sorry, on the local review side, uh, and that responding to your customers is going to increase uh, your satisfaction level as well as your uh, retention of those customers, and ultimately, it is going to drive in additional business. So. Uh, there's tons of case studies on our website. You know that you know. I think our stat is within a year of becoming a client of Chatmeter, you see a 23% increase in um, phone calls, and a 27% increase in driving directions requests. So that's about as obvious as it gets, right? Someone's looking for driving directions. Uh, we don't have any you know location data at the store level so we don't know who ends up there but uh, we do get that data from our partnership with Google it allows us to get access to that information and understand you know as you start to respond to reviews and engage with your customers it results in real re- revenue for your business and you can imagine the impact of an increase of 25% of you know customers even if only half of those showed up that's still an improvement of you know 10-12% uh to your business. Yeah, fascinating. I love
2: that driving directions one. That's a great little tidbit. You know, we we also we're dealing with, you know, a difficult time. Obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen and there's layoffs and obviously, you know, tragedy and, and all of that. But I'm curious, you know, as a CEO and a leader who's built a company over a decade, um, you know, what would be some of the, you know, advice or or ideas that you have to navigate through times of crisis for for marketers um that are, you know, still, people still need things. They're still looking for things. They're still exploring options. Um, you know, how, what what's kind of, uh, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, no, it's a very relevant question because I'm sure uh, the listeners are probably thinking how much our business certainly is impacted by everybody staying at home. Uh, and us being a location-based business or uh, servicing location-based businesses, we have had cases where our customers are asking, you know, can we put the service on pause or delay, et cetera? And our communication has been to them. This is the worst time you want to stop communicating with your customers. So it's more important now more than ever. So we're working with them through, uh, working through, you know, whatever we can do from, um, you know, uh, financial basis to support them. But the last thing we want to do is just shut down service, you know, with so many things happening and so many changes going on, especially as, we start to see country opening back up. You're going to have different places in the country likely opening up back up before others. And so that's going to be even more confusion on, you know, which places are open and which ones are not, which stores and which of your locations. And so all of that is vitally important to make sure you keep communicating with your customers. And that's ultimately what I think is the most important thing during a crisis is, uh, communicating, right. And, And essentially over communicating um, staying co- close to your customer base, understanding what their impacts are from their side, and just trying to work through this together, and that's really been our message: is uh, we understand all the challenges. This is a, certainly a tough time. We recognize, you know, uh, it should be a uh, hopefully just a, a temporary challenge. And over the next, you know, six months, we get back to a hopefully somewhat of a business as usual um scenario and we want to make sure we're there for our customers along the way let's get into our lightning round
2: these questions are fast and easy just like marketing with salesforce you can go to salesforce.com marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one crm put your customer at the center of every interaction automate engagement with each customer and just go check them out it's great go to salesforce.com marketing to learn more lightning round questions. Colin, are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm mostly a productivity guy. So, you know, I am using a lot of local search. I'm using a lot of uh, to-do apps. Uh, And most recently just started to get more into Instagram. I was mostly Facebook. I don't really use Facebook anymore. So probably just some of those things are, are stuff I access every day
2: what is your best work from home tip?
3: Uh, I would say get the proper resources, which I don't have right now. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I am working off my laptop. I don't have a monitor. I just ordered a keyboard and a mouse and all that stuff. Cause I've been, uh, you know, working at the office for a really long time and I just moved to a new place. So I hadn't really set it up yet. But, uh, unfortunately, everything is on back order right now. What is your
2: favorite podcast or book that you've listened to or read recently?
3: Uh, so I was reading Predictable Success recently, which is uh, by the same author who wrote uh, Predictable Revenue. Um, sure. really, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Uh, really enjoyed this book as it's trying to, you know, we're really trying to grow our business uh, into this, you know, rapidly expanding predictable revenue. Uh, model that you know essentially building that marketing machine right so uh, it's we have a regular um, revenue coming in on it you know uh, without having you know ups and downs you know we've been a pretty small organization over the years with a small sales team and we are now in the process of uh, you know building in the right people we just brought on a CFO we' brought on, uh, CRO right now. So we're interviewing for some, uh, you know, higher caliber people to help us, uh, really grow the organization and create, you know, again, that predictable revenue stream. What do you do for fun? I do a lot of outdoor sports I live here in San Diego. And so certainly a big water sports guy like boating, uh, was a wakeboarder for many years and then picked up kite surfing Um, so mostly outdoor sports, I like to do running and hiking and all that sort of fun stuff to enjoy, uh, the beautiful environment. I live here in San Diego.
2: What is your best advice for a first time CEO?
3: Interesting. Um, I would say the best advice I have is just try to, you know, be level headed. You are going to obviously experience a lot of ups and downs, Uh, And I assume you're talking about like a startup founder, CEO type role. Um, You're going to have a lot of, you know, challenges as the business goes through various stages. You're going to have a lot of different personalities you're dealing with as you hire and fire throughout the, you know, throughout the years. Um, The best thing I can do is recommend is just try to stay level headed, stay positive, stay optimistic, Uh, I think those are some, you know, some of the traits that make for a very successful CEO, by the way, I was wrong. It's, it's, it was not Aaron Ross for predictable
2: revenue, but, uh, predictable success is, uh, somebody different.
3: Oh yes. You're right. It's right in front of me. Les McCown. (laughs) I screwed that up.
2: (laughs) That's my mistake. Well, me too. (laughs) Um, okay. Final question. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe something around, you know, how I've been able to, you know, build a great team. I think that's uh, some of the, one of the things I'm probably most proud of at ChatMeter. We have a phenomenal management team. We have a a great, you know, uh, employee base that's excited to come to work every day. And we've just built a phenomenal culture. And Uh, that's, it would just be another thing that I would recommend to any CEO out there is focus on that culture, focus on the people you bring in, because that's, what's going to make the difference. That's, what's going to allow you to do something like we've done, which is pretty unheard of growing such a great business on very few resources. And, uh, you can only do that if you have a very dedicated team is, you know, excited about coming to work every day.
2: That's it. That's all we got. I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Any uh, any final thoughts anything to
3: plug? No, I don't think so. Uh, if you are certainly looking for uh, services in you know this, this space, you retailer, uh, if you are a you were even a reseller which includes software companies and people that are focusing on the SMB level, certainly take a look at our website and we'd be happy to help. Awesome take care. All right, thanks again take care.
1: Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.